Hello, everyone. Welcome That's, back. Ooh, welcome back. Ooh. Ooh. That's my wife, Katie. <laughs> That's my husband, Josh. Happy that you're here with us. This is Book Club Date. Uh, today, uh, this is... Our second book. Our second book. This is episode one of two. Our second book is The Wager, displayed behind us. The Wager by David Gran. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into that, Katie, as always, my question, what else have you been reading? Nothing else. Nothing else. Just the wager. Just the wager. Just the wager. That's okay. That's good. Yeah. I'm still. It was a busy week. We are kind yeah. of getting back after um, the holidays. Yeah. So we are now into 2024. Ooh, that's so exciting. It's very exciting. Um. So yeah. Uh, oh, I do have a question for you. Yeah, fire away. What books are you looking forward to coming out in 2024? Um. If any. None in particular. I've got one. What is it? I've got two, actually. All right, far away. The new one by Sarah Mass. It's the book three in the Crescent City series. Okay. That one's coming out this month. All right. Stormlight 5. Oh, yeah. Anderson. But that's not till November. But Yeah. Or or is it December? I don't know. It's basically it's, a year away. It's, yeah, it's it's the end of the year. Yeah. That it'll come out. But yeah. Yeah, I guess I gotta decide if I want to reread or skim or maybe if there's like a rundown somewhere. I bet we can find a rundown on YouTube. I'm not sure if I there's if I so read. many details. Yeah, I'm not sure if I want to read from uh Way of Kings all the way to Rhythm of War. Yeah. That's a that's a big commitment and I'm gonna read other books. <laughs> yeah. So that's exciting though. So you're excited for those two? Yes. Okay. All right. Those yeah, are, that's where that's where I'm at. Those are two mm-hmm. very good books to be excited about. Yeah, I thought so. I like it. So, let us know in the comments what books you're excited about reading this year. Yeah, and we might put them and feature them on book club. We might make them a read. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, I've just been reading Mindburn. I'm approaching yeah. about halfway through on that. Nice. Again, that's a cool sci-fi cyberpunkish AI's taking over. Everyone's basically an android kind of thing oh, like no. it's cool it's pretty cool um but okay let's get into the wager that's what you all are here for uh so uh we read uh we suggested that you ha- uh, we suggest that you have read uh chapters one up two and throughs chapter 11 yes for this episode so basically the first half of the book it's kind of misleading i will let you guys know um if you look at the book about a quarter of it i would say of the actual pages are just notes and references and references um in the back yeah so because it is a historical uh book basically it he's, is. He's, so he's, there's there's a good chunk of notes and that can be a little misleading yeah. if you kind of monitor your percentage read if you're reading on Kindle or yeah. even if you're just like holding the book and you're kind of like, oh, I've got so much left to go. How is this half? But it's half of the story. Correct. It's yeah. The first 11 chapters. Correct. We're not going to unless you want to. No judgment. <laughs> feel feel free to read the resources and double check David Grant if you want. But. Yeah, I'm not you going can to. read through all the notes. We will not be doing yeah. an episode on those. Yeah. Well, um, Katie, tell us what this book is about. Is there a synopsis about this that we got we here? We do have a synopsis for you. Mm-hmm. So, 
In September of 1740, during an imperial conflict with Spain, the Wager, an English ship carrying some 250 officers and crew, had embarked from Portsmouth in a squadron on a secret mission to capture a treasure-filled Spanish galleon known as the Prize of All the Oceans. Near Cape Horn, at the tip of South America, the squadron had been engulfed by a hurricane, and the wager was believed to have sunk with all its souls. But 283 days after the ship had last been reported seen, these men miraculously emerged in Brazil. From the author of Killers of the Flower Moon, a page-turning story of shipwreck, survival, and savagery, culminating in a court-martial that reveals a shocking truth. The powerful narrative reveals the deeper meaning of the events of the wager, showing that it was not only the captain and crew who ended up on trial, but the very idea of empire. David Grant is the author of this book. Here's a brief little bio about him. David Grant is a staff writer at The New Yorker. He graduated from Connecticut College in 1989 and earned a master's degree in international relations from the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy and master's degree from Boston College in creative writing. He has written for the New York Times Magazine, The Atlantic, The Washington Post, The Wall Street Journal, and The New Republic. His stories have been published in numerous anthologies of American writing. His books include The Devil in Sherlock Holmes, The Lost City of Z, A Tale of Deadly Obsession, and The Amazon, which won the Indies Choice Award for Best Nonfiction Book of 2009, and of course, as previously mentioned, Killers of the Flower Moon, The Osage Murders, and The Birth of the FBI. Uh, that last one is a new Scorsese film, actually, so uh yeah mm -hmm. so again this is our final little spoiler warning this is up to and including chapter 11 so from this point on we are just going to talk freely about this even though this is based on historical stuff so it's not super spoilery <laughs> if like, you know like, you yeah. already know yeah. but if you don't know yeah. then spoilers so anyway uh let's see here da, 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 da. so this includes chapter 11 yeah 125 pages so i mean i i don't think we need like a play-by-play -play, but uh, basically to up to where we've read is there are seamen and sailors in the king's navy mm -hmm. that embark that some embark of their own fruition to go on this voyage others not so much i'm sure we'll get into that yeah so um they attempt to go around the bottom of south america the cape horn mm -hmm. it's universally agreed to be one of the most difficult waters to navigate and i think the waiter does a really good job of explaining why it's actually kind of crazy yeah um the wager crashes uh of the men who haven't died to this point whether on the ship or during the crash uh they're shipwrecked mm -hmm. um some local natives end up helping them out eventually the kwiskar um which Maybe. i did which they're try pretty looking interesting. up like a pronunciation because for me like hearing Maybe it's the musician part, but like hearing a new word helps. But it was really, I, I couldn't find a good example yeah. of the actual pronunciation. So well, we'll do our best. Apologies yeah. if if it's if we pronounce the Kawiskar a little weird. But yeah, uh, but the natives, um, they help them out. And then some of the shipwrecked crew offend them. And, and then they, they leave. leave. And that's kind of where and we leave off. And them setting boundaries. They're setting boundaries, right? Uh, and that's that's kind of where our initial reading stopped. So yeah, that's our our kind of summary. So let's kind of get into this. All right. So 
your general first impressions of the book. This is not your usual speed. You would not have chosen this. I know that for a fact. So, no, I I would not so have. I am curious. Um, what are your thoughts on this? I felt, and I don't mean, my very first impression was I'm reading a documentary. Okay. Like it just, to me, it read like a documentary script. And I think I actually would prefer it as a documentary because then I would get like some visuals along with it. And mm -hmm. I think that would really help because I, I, and I told you this the other day, like it was really quite difficult for me to get into it and get started. And I think part of that is just because my uh, sailing and ship jargon is not up to snuff. Okay. Like at all. Like it's been a while. I, it also gave me Moby Dick vibes and... That was in high school that I read that. So that was that was a while ago. It's been a while. Yeah. 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 It gave me very um Master and Commander. Starring Russell Crowe. Mm. That movie, which is phenomenal, by the way. Um I haven't seen that one. Well, it, it's really good, actually. <laughs> um well, I think it's really but good. But I think anything that like for this kind of thing, which is like very niche, right? Like the specifics of these ships and the vastness of them, but also like, cause they're described as like being so big and stuff, but like from the outside, right? Cause then on the inside, it's kind of like space is at a premium. Right. So some of, some of them, like, I, I think he gives you a good idea to where you can visualize these things, but also like you don't know what you don't know and being like unfamiliar with, with this kind of thing it was just it but it, it did remind me of like okay i'm reading the script for a documentary like that's how i felt yeah i think we should watch master and commander and then you'll have like a visual to pair with this i mean if if it's historically accurate oh yeah. it is oh okay it is okay it is like there's i was watching the special features on it and not you know bit, bit of a sidebar but apparently like the waters you're right. here for the sidebars though right yeah, yeah. well it's a podcast it's long skip ahead if you don't want this <laughs> but in master and commander i was watching the special features and um this is years ago but the waters that they filmed it in mm -hmm. the i forget the director the director was very um insistent that the waters have to be a certain color because different waters in different parts of the ocean regions of the ocean are different yeah. So apparently people who are well versed in the story of Master and Commander which which also is based off which which also is based off of historical events know what those waters are supposed to look like oh. and apparently they did a decent job of, of replicating those of replicating colors. that. And, and 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 also just life on the ship it's like like they do it, it gives a good picture of it. It does. It does. Like I actually think even if you watch like 20 minutes of it you'd mm -hmm. be like okay. Yeah. Okay, I have a visual aid now with this book. Mm -hmm. So, and it was, um, I I did think it was interesting that he kind of follows certain characters, mm -hmm. and he kind of presents those two at the front end. But it, but like, they don't all start off on the wager. Like, and and it's not just one ship going around. It's like what five ships, or yeah, so that are yeah. making this journey. It, it's an armada, so it's a it's a grouping. Yeah, ships. so it's a grouping yeah. of this of these ships. So there's like five man of wars, and then like two scout ships or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the wager has basically been retrofitted. I mean, and also they kind of like it seems like this journey was doomed from the start. Like it took forever for these ships 
like it kept they kept getting postponed because they had to do all these repairs before they could even start the journey to begin with. The wager was not intended as a warship. It, it was, was a merchant ship. It was a merchant it was, ship. It was meant to carry cargo. That got retrofitted with all of these cannons and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just it seemed like there was a lot not going for them, <laughs> and like the journey was postponed for over nine months before they could even begin to set sail and yeah then... yeah you know like and to your point you know like like it, there's a little line here that um from the book that the navy classified warships by their number of cannons and mm-hmm. with 28 she was sixth rate the lowest rank so she was christened in honor of sir charles wager uh the 74 year old first lord of the admiralty and the ship's name seemed fitting Weren't they all gambling with their lives? Because mm-hmm. the they knew they passage. knew this passage around Cape Horn was difficult. And even if they got around on the it, best day, it would be difficult. Yeah, and and keep in mind their goal, right? Their orders are to find this Spanish ship, mm-hmm. which is the prize of all the oceans. But it's apparently uh, a really powerful ship. Which is mm-hmm. why they're sending like a whole armada after it. So it's kind of like even even if they well, did get around Cape Horn, you're also going into Spanish territory, right? Because mm-hmm. South America was divided. Portugal got Brazil. the half with Brazil, so mm-hmm. the um, eastern half, right. and then Spain got the western half, so like along Chile, right, right. So they're also going into like I would say enemy ter- territory, right, and going to attack. But it and it's just crazy. Um, it it was interesting. Sorry, going back to the beginning, um, they were also talking about the issues of staffing these ships mm-hmm. and how difficult it was to because they were at war with Spain. Yeah, what did they call those gangs? Those oh. ones that go around and basically abdu- like abduct, they incentivize sailors. Yeah, yeah, they just go around and abduct sailors. I forget what it was called, but they called the gangs. Anyway, if you can recall, let us know in the comments, but. Um, that was like, can you it was imagine like an enforcement gang or something like that? It was, yeah. it was wild. Yeah. But they just go around and, and, and they, and they would look for the tar on the fingertips of former sailors hands. And that's how they would, that was one of the ways how they would identify them mm-hmm. and they would basically just force them into indentured servitude. Basically. Like I, I assume if they were free men, they would get a wage, but it was like, it's like, I know you're coming with us. You get the privilege of being in the King's Navy now, right? Yeah, and it's just like, like, congratulations. And yeah. they would tear, like, men who were just getting back into dock, who had been gone, they would pull them into service. From merchant like, vessels coming back into yeah, port. Yeah, and they were and they like, we just want to see our families. <laughs> oh, yeah, it sounds, it just, frankly, sounded awful because they were at war with Spain, right? So yeah. it was kind of. So they were kind of, like, yeah. at their limit of volunteers. Like, there were no... I yeah. think they were called press gangs. Press gangs. That's what they're I called. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I didn't it's see it. It's handy having that so book there, huh? It is, but I didn't actually <laughs> see it. It just kind of came to me. So. Press gangs, yeah. So I think they were press gangs because they would press that's you what into they were, service. That's what they, they were called. How do you, you know, uh, take away the fact that you're a woman? Uh, mm-hmm. How would you have felt about being, being forced? forced? To, yeah. Oh, I would have hated that. Yeah. I don't. I don't take well to that kind yeah. of yeah that's why a lot of like, people and ducked that kind and ran, of, yeah right? that kind of pressure i'd be like i'll show you and i would probably sneak away too um, yeah like a lot of them yeah dead yeah you know? like i 
I don't know. I don't blame them. Yeah. Why do you um uh unless I felt like but if like if I felt strongly for the cause, you know, I would volunteer. So everyone would feel strongly until they have to put their blood and sweat on the line. Then it becomes so. a little different. Mm. So um why did the wager crash? There are like so many reasons as to why. But oh my is God. there well but okay, so leading up to this mm-hmm. insane amount of issues. Yeah. Prior to this crash. Yeah. Like they ended up going through, they wanted to get through Cape Horn at a specific time of year because they were like, oh, it'll be easier before winter hits. Little did they know that when winter hits, the waters or the winds for the direction they were going are actually more conducive to a slightly easier passage. Mm -hmm. So they went at like, it, it just timed at like the absolute worst time. They didn't think to eat limes like i i didn't understand why limes were considered not good at the time but so they they end up like the whole armada or whatever the whole grouping of ships they all got scurvy right and the one ship that or the one island where they stopped prior to making the actual passage around cape horn was chock full of limes but i guess they didn't know what limes were at the time and so they could have stocked up on them, but they didn't because they didn't know. Yeah, it's just you know, and it's just it's just ignorance. It's not you know, and not not ignorance in like in like the bad meaning of it. Just yeah, they didn't know. They didn't know yeah, what they didn't the know. Yeah, but the one doctor, I get like there were a couple references he made to people like not wanting to use the term scurvy. Yeah, because of the stigma, I was like, so you know what it is. Yeah, but they don't know what causes. But did they it. not know. They okay. don't know. They okay. didn't know what caused it. They didn't. They didn't know it was a vitamin deficiency, mm. right? Because because you can yeah. get scurvy today if you don't get Have enough vitamin, vitamin C. C, right? And yeah. and and vitamin C is in vegetables and fruit primarily. Yeah. Right. So, well, on a ship you might not have horrible. that. Oh it yeah. Sounds horrendous. Teeth falling out. Yeah, and like, oh, yeah, the just, tissue between your bones, like, mm-hmm. and it. I I did think mm-hmm. it was crazy that how. It was like old wounds would open up. Right. And like yeah. like the one guy had had a broken femur and like and it rebroke. It rebroke. In the same spot, which is not supposed to happen with bones. Yeah, I was like, like this is this is insane. Like that's And the one guy he, he had a he had a gash from a from a battle like fifty odd years ago or something like that and his that gash reopened, reopened. Which is just like ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually interesting because in the in the book uh, Shogun, when they're on their ship at mm-hmm. the very beginning of it, um, I forget his name, but um, they're aware of scurvy in that book. Oh, okay. And um, you know they are because the character that you're following for that for that section of the reading, um, he uh, spaced his his fruit out basically oh. like his duration and a lot of the other men didn't so they were all out of fruit but he had hidden his and like gradually was eating it steadily so like he was in pain but he wasn't like um as bad the symptoms were weren't like manifesting on him right so like he was he was still keeping it at bay yeah. you know like i think the worst was like his gums were bleeding Ooh. but but he was but like he wasn't like falling apart like yeah. it seems you yeah. know so 
like some of these guys yeah suffered and it was just like the amount of death once they got into cape horn like into that passage was just gosh just brutal oh my gosh like when they're like oh yeah and like so like it was like the first funeral they were basically able to like have a funeral at sea right and then after that just with the quantity they just were like tossing people overboard yeah it's just like what can you do just unable yeah no it was it it was like what did they call it let's see here they said I mean, at one point he... Um, As Samuel Johnson once observed, no man will be a sailor who has contrivance enough to get himself into a jail. For being in a ship is being in a jail with the chance of being drowned. Yeah. I thought thought that was a very uh, uh, observant. Yes. And uh, frankly, all of the descriptions that Grant gives you throughout the first part of this journey that like we've read. Yeah. I mean, that's 100% what it is yeah Um, it's it's a jail where you can drown yeah um you know there's no limited medical care limited food rations and all that Mm -hmm. um you know like it's the military so i'm not going to say the fact that you report to a commanding officer is crazy right but right but on a ship the captain in that time they were everything yeah they were they were essentially god on, on that ship um, short of a mutiny happening so right um, it's it, it was it was not for the faint of heart to and it did to seem embark like on a journey the like that captain the guy who wasn't charge of the whole grouping of ships was well respected yeah yeah so yeah it, at this point they've disappeared we don't know what's happened to them yeah i mean do you do you think they made it around cape horn or do you I think have they, no idea yeah i guess we'll find out in the next reading because because yeah. this thing we know that this book ends in effectively uh, a trial mm-hmm. a court martial-esque type what the hell happened investigation courtroom proceeding right that's why like yeah. that's so david Graham, like he, he he he's able to write this because logging back in that time and, and and probably even by today's standards is huge like like even in star trek we we make fun of it right where where, where they go captain's log right Be, yeah because they're logging the events Right. right, so it's and it's a, all written down. So I right. I did think that was interesting that he had access to, um, like yeah. firsthand descriptions and it, experiences, and you, was able to kind of compile those. Yeah, did you catch how Buckley noticed that some of the logs had been destroyed before yeah. the ship went down? Yeah. Yeah, it's like oh, someone doesn't want someone to know something. Yeah, it's but it was cheap. also it was also part of um what cheap had been told mm-hmm. by the guy in charge of this grouping that um that the, oh, I feel bad not knowing his name. Hang That's on, okay. It's right here. Um but I I do think oh, Anson. Anson, right. Anson. Um cuz they name a mountain after him and there's there are maps in the front of the and back of the book. Yeah. Which is helpful. So you yeah. can get a picture of where it's at. But and please forgive us. Did. There are just a lot of names. That there are a lot of names, one. and yeah. there's not really. They didn't. Ha- he didn't have like actual descriptions of most of these guys, mm-hmm. like what they looked like. So it's really difficult to get like a visual, yeah, in your head about like what this guy looked like. Yeah, it's like the only two that he really gives any type of real visual descriptors is King, who's kind of like the 
bouncer enforcer on the ship to make sure that you're doing your job mm. and duck who is the black sailor and and that's what like, we know about him yeah there's like, no height no like, yeah, like no descriptions yeah. of these guys but so there's no real good way to like differentiate them other than like what their ranks were yeah so um but i thought it was in anson's just directions to the captains of each of the ships if your ship is going down destroy everything you can right because like they that's a good point because their mission was supposed to be secret uh, like it was supposed to be a secret that they were going to attack right this spanish treasure well, well there's also charters basically routes and those mm. were very um protected right like you don't want the route that english ships are going in this particular region of the world you don't want the Spanish to know about that, yeah. Because then they can set ambushes and various other things, and and then they know that's a that's an important route for you, right? So right, yeah. And so, as we discussed, they're going round into some more solidly Spanish territory, right? Rather right. than the Portuguese yeah. territory, so. or, or at least where there's like a Spanish presence that they are certain is there, right? Yeah, right. So there, that was definitely a possible issue, right. Let's see here. Um, you know, let's talk about Cape Horn a bit. Here's a here's another passage. Um, At those ends of the earth are no chronicles, Melville wrote, except for the ruins of spars and hulls that hint of dark endings, of ships that have sailed from their ports and never more have been heard of. He went on. And practical Cape, you may approach it from this direction or that in any way you please, from the east or from the west, with the wind astern or a beam, around the quarter and still Cape Horn is Cape Horn. Heaven help the sailors, their wives and their little ones. So basically Cape Horn is just like, so like it's near the bottom of the globe, at least if, uh, as, as how we frame the globe usually. Right. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting that the reason why it's probably the reason why like it's so violent is one that it's, it's just very rocky down there. Two, it gets very cold, like mm-hmm. in, in, in the winter, summer. Well, right? it's between the tip of South, South America, America and, and Antarctica. The most northerly tip of Antarctica. Yeah, so you have two continents in this stretch. And all. And if you think about the bottom of the globe, there's nothing really stopping water from moving. So effectively, and again, I'm not an expert in ocean currents or anything, but from my understanding from David Grant's reading, is especially that, that is not especially, but essentially that there's this never ending current at the bottom of our world that just pushes and you have Antarctica and South America and this water just flies through it mm-hmm. and it creates a not ideal like, situation like the for waves sailing because of how they're going around mm-hmm. the waves are getting amplified. So the, right. the crests and the um, troughs are like even bigger than they would be elsewhere where they're being stopped right yeah so like there there was this fun sailing where it was like below 40 degrees latitude there is no law a sailor's adage went below 50 degrees there is no god and that's mm-hmm. in reference distinctly to cape horn basically yeah um it, so it, it, it was, seems like the the height of these waves down there can just get insane yeah there's you know like the, this other sorry i'm just reading passages today but um each time the way uh each time the wager went over a wave buckley felt the ship hurtling on an avalanche of water 
cascading into a chasm devoid of light. All he could discern behind him was a looming mountain of water in front of him, nothing but another terrifying mountain. Mm-hmm. First it, off, that's a great bit of writing. It is. It is. <laughs> I think I think that very much paints the picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's. It, I would be scared out of my mind. Like, oh yeah, yeah. And I think one of the other things too was they kind of he starts to get into um, like just how dreary and indistinct the setting around you gets down there too because it was always cloudy and misty and stuff and at one point he even says you know the ships underwent the same transformation sometimes appearing like huge ruinous castles sometimes in their proper shapes and sometimes like large logs of timber floating on the water he concluded we really seem to be in the midst of enchantments and that's uh, millichamp said that mm-hmm. so it was really it really paints this picture of you know You've got this grouping of ships. Not only are they trying to traverse this difficult part of the ocean, but they're also trying to stay together. Right. And just how difficult that was. And it was interesting, I thought, how they would, you know, set off their gunfire every so often with a certain frequency to Mm -hmm. be able to identify each other and stick together. Yeah. There's no walkie. There's no walkie talkies. No walkie talkies. <laughs> but apparently, Anson had some. It, it sa- seemed like a very basic megaphone, right? Where yeah. he could like yell to the other captains, like if they were able to pull up uh, close enough. Yeah. He could use this device to talk to the other captains, at least. Yeah, and, and you, 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 the ocean is vast, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the reason, like, the cannons seem kind of. I read this one post where like someone thought that the cannon signaling was silly mm-hmm. and I was just like, no, because <laughs> if you've ever lived and you've tried to shout and get someone's attention, who's maybe 50 yards or more away, you have to shout to get yeah. their attention because of the distance. So yeah, I mean like you need like a loud, a loud noise to be like, yes, we're still here. Right. That's basically all it is. Like you can't like you could fire a gun you know, maybe one, we're here, we're fine. Two, two shots, we're in distress. Yeah. Right. You could do something like that. And like I'm sure ships today have horns, but yeah. back then, these large wooden vessels. Yes. Um, also, just a quick plug. Uh, we did pull some of these questions from the website, book-club-guide.com. Uh, they seem to have a pretty good a reference for book club questions if you'd like some, but we did pull a handful of these questions from there. I just wanted just to give them a little shout out because I yoinked it straight from them. Nice. Uh, and this and we qu- can link them, link that uh, website too. So yes. it's easier for you to find. Yes. Um. So one of the questions that they had were, this is kind of a paraphrase of what it was, but what elements of colonialism and racism present themselves so far? I think there's several elements of, colonialism and obviously racism though a lot of the sailors ex- only the one was identified as being black Correct. and that that was it so we don't really know the percentage of different races of the sailors but he did mention with that particular individual that he had the additional potentially fear of if they were caught by the spanish he could be sold back into slavery, even though he was a free man. Right. Right. Which is like a double threat, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, 
it's just awful. Yeah. Um, and then at this point, like, um, the all all of South America basically has been divided up into colonies of these other European nations. Right. Just like a like a, oh, we'll take that, we'll take this. Never never giving any thought to the um the indigenous people. Yeah, to, to the indigenous people, to the to the to the civilizations, the communities that already live there. And I think at this time Magellan had already gone through mm-hmm. they had already um you know, spread diseases that right the natives were not their their immune systems were not prepared for and so yeah they he did mention like some potential hesitation of the the of the the, natives that the uh shipwrecked people of the wager encountered like there was definitely some concern like oh no they're not going to want to help us they're going to want to stay away because they've already been burned by these other guys that came before us right or the or or they've heard you know, heard th- the story through the grapevine of their part of the world that <laughs> stay away. Yeah, white people mean death. Yeah, right, and it doesn't necessarily mean by axe or sword or something like that. It mm-hmm. could mean just their mere presence. Yeah, kills you. You know, um. So I mean, it's but you know, all that to say is that, and again, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing this. The the Kewaskar, the the natives who helped them, one. They were fascinating. They were very fascinating. Um, so fascinating, in fact, that this little bit was kind of interesting. So as we mentioned, this is near Antarctica, very cold, or at least down the, down, like the bottom so tip of saying, South like, America. So they were saying the waters are basically like, so they've, at this point where the shipwrecked, they got slightly around mm-hmm. the the bottom point. So we're up a little bit, a little bit north. But like it was, I want to say... He said the water was like forty five degrees. Yeah. To freezing, like. So cold. 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 Yeah. Yeah, you're not gonna last more than. I don't even know. I think it was like a few minutes, like before risking um, hypothermia. Yeah. Yeah, before you start getting sleepy. Yeah, but it was it was fascinating how he explained how the Kawaskar used like seal fat to cover themselves so they could go into the water, like they just. They primarily lived on the water, it sounded yeah. like, and in their canoes and how they, it was just fascinating how they used all of these resources around them mm-hmm. so well, like so effectively. Yeah. And and centuries later, actually, uh, NASA hoping to figure out ways for astronauts to survive on a frozen planet sent scientists to the region to learn their methods. So these people have been there for thousands of years mm-hmm. and um, it's just like... They're so in tune with their environment and the yeah. cold and the wet and how to navigate it and how to handle it. Because a lot of the land down here was barren. Yeah, rocky, barren. So you were living off fish, seal. Mm-hmm. There's very little vegetation. You can't really farm. Cause it's so, right? Because they were on like an island, right? And then um, I'd have to look at the map, but they could see the Andes. They could right, like yeah. they could see them effectively across another little strip of ocean to the mainland, which is where mm-hmm. the Andes would be. So even if you lived on the mainland, which these which these natives probably have traveled back and forth from there, who knows where they actually lived in that area? But um, they'd probably been to the mainland before. Yeah, it seemed like, like they the were Andes just are kind just of like a wall, and just like would go up and down the coast, kind of. Yeah. But they got a lot of their resources actually from in the water. And in one mm-hmm. scene, he described a 
Kawaskar woman diving down and having incredible breath support because she held her breath for quite a while in Mm -hmm. this freezing cold water and brought back up a basket filled with sea urchins. And then she, you know, dropped it off in the canoe and then hopped back in and got yeah, some more. She's like, went back down. Yeah. So not only did they know how to survive in this climate, but they knew where to get these resources from the water and how to, like, how to do that. Like, she, like, you don't just know how to hold your breath that long. Like, that, that's a learned skill. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it was just a way of life for them. You know, mm-hmm. again, just very in tune with their environment and all that. So, um, well, you know, let us know in the comments what you have thought so far of the reading. I think there is there are so many angles to discuss this book from. You've got colonialism, mm-hmm. you've got the natives, you have the shipmen, you have yeah sailors, you have, you know, just life in the 1700s in general and yeah. how it was on a ship there there are just you know you know i mean we, we discussed the big portion of this even talking about the ocean cape horn right right and at this <laughs> point it's and, fascinating. and what's crazy is that like with that passage and with the scurvy they lost like half of the crew oh yeah yeah just brutal yeah just brutal not just on the wager but on every ship it was yeah. like at least half the crew yeah, and and Just I think gone. that's important to remember is they were part of an armada and they were all hurting, mm-hmm. right? So and I think at one point they were saying like each ship lost like ten was losing like ten men a day. Yeah, I mean, so I it's it's and and looking forward, this is I can kind of see, but I don't know for certain. But this seems like it's going to become a more Lord of the Flies esque kind of mm. scenario because they're all stuck on an island together. Right, yeah. and I think there's going to be camps of people, which which was already happening. Like they there, were already there's kind of already splitting like off. a very tenuous order to things. Right. Like it is not. Well, the captain has a primary job, which is to keep the ship afloat, mm-hmm. and, and that's already gone out the window. And uh, Captain Sheep did not do that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I did want to ask you too, because two of the ships disappeared during the traversing of Cape Horn. What do you think happened to those? I think, I think they just turned back. I think they said, screw it. That's what I suspect as well. We'll we'll, we'll deal with the consequences whenever we get back home. Yeah. I think is, I think is what happened because they'll just follow their, their, their route back. They'll probably stop at the same place that they stopped before to Mm -hmm. replenish. Right. But I think they were like, this just isn't worth it yeah you know which uh who can blame them i mean it's right. uh, it's a it's a terrible um it's it's not the fun type of adventure no <laughs> you know no this is this is an adventure with a uh sad ending for sure and you can kind of already see it so mm-hmm. um but yeah thoughts comments below like and subscribe for future episodes uh let's jump into some of these remaining highlights oh Yes. Sorry, there were a couple other things that I thought were interesting. Okay, sorry. Uh, when they get shipwrecked, they actually start to do better because, uh, as far as the scurvy goes, because there was wild celery growing mm-hmm. on the island. So this barren island, but there did happen to be celery. And that was helping with their scurvy. So I did find that interesting. Yeah. That that actually was like 
helping a little bit, yeah. even though their resources were very limited. But you can see, though, how back then, since they didn't know of the microscopic biological world really at that point, right? Mm -hmm. That you can see how they would just associate the scurvy as something you just get on a ship and no one knows why. And then once you get off a ship, it usually goes away. Yeah. Right? But they would never assume. They would never connect those dots they necessarily. Would, they would never connect their diet to it. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm, I'm sure someone did, but yeah, but it, um, the word did not get out. Yeah. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting, one of the characters that we follow is actually the poet, Lord Byron's mm -hmm. grandfather. Yeah. So at this point, I'm like, at least this one guy I know is going to live <laughs> because he's going to have kids in order to have grandkids. Right. So I know this guy will survive. He's going to make it. That's like the only one that I'm like, this guy, I can count on him to live. Well, we'll see. Who, I mean, you don't know that for, cer for certain? Don't take this from me. I'm not. Okay. You you can have it back. I think he'll live. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> I, it seems like he'll live. I'm just teasing. Um, some interesting things that I noted were. Uh, that, uh, quote, constructing a single large warship could require as many as 4,000 trees, a hundred acres of forest might be felled. Oof. That is a tremendous amount. That is a tremendous footprint. Mm -hmm. um, and this is just disgusting, but creatures like this exist. Uh, Teredo navalis, a reddish shipworm, a reddish shipworm can grow longer than a foot Ugh. and it ate through holes. Columbus lost two ships to these creatures during his fourth voyage to the West Indies. Ugh, can you imagine that? I I no, I looked this I don't thing want up. To. Yeah. You. You. Okay. Yeah, that sounds gross. Um, another one is the captain had to be father and confessor, judge and jury to his men. Um, these are really fun, huh? I thought these were really Do you read interesting. These? Sure. Um there's a lot of phrases and mm -hmm. things like turns Tur of phrase yeah, that of we phrase. use even today and sayings. Yeah. Yeah. That are actually based on different terminology that was used mm -hmm. while on these ships. So this this part was interesting. Um to tow the line derives from when boys on a ship were forced to stand still for inspection with their toes on a deck seam. To pipe down was the boatswain's whistle for everyone to be quiet at night, and piping hot was his call for meals. A scuttlebutt was a water cask around which the seamen gossiped while waiting for their rations. To turn a blind eye became a popular expression after Vice Admiral Nelson deliberately placed his telescope against his blind eye to ignore his superior's signal flag to retreat. Um, and I think, oh, under the weather was another one. Right. Based on like which deck they would would be in because they were on deck you were exposed to the elements. Right. A lot of interesting sayings that just kind of emerged. So Yeah, that we still use today. Are there any sayings that you know of that perhaps David Grant didn't put in? Let us know. Yeah, let us know in the comments. Those are always interesting. They are. Yeah. We're going for engagement, people. Help us out. Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we had a great discussion and a wonderful first reading on this book. Mm -hmm. You were kind of hesitant to read this book. 
Very. But and it was difficult for me to get into it. Yeah. It did take me a little yeah. longer. Just like it just because I was like, what does that mean? What is that? Like it just Yeah. It was not as fast a read for me. I suspect the second half you're gonna be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm here. I'm in yeah. it now. I mean it's not like I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> it's it it's like reading a documentary. It is. Yeah. So I think I might have you watch a little bit of Master and Commander at some point. Oh, okay. So if you want to. Okay. We'll see. But okay. Well, our wrap up. The next episode is going to be the last one for this book, The Wager mm-hmm. by David Grand. So that next episode is going to cover up to the end, including the epilogue. So be sure to read that and we'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm. You can find us on podcasts anywhere you listen or YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, please like and subscribe or subscribe to us anywhere. I don't know. Leave a review. Anything helps. We appreciate it. We do. If, if you're listening to us and you're enjoying the conversation that we have weekly, just know we appreciate you. And Glad we'd love to, to hear from you. Here. Yeah. So until next time, that's my wife, Katie. And that's my husband, Josh. And this is Book Club Date. We'll see you next time. Bye.